to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 177, and I am your host, Yelena Levin, and joining me today is my co-host, Pontus Bokman. Всем привет! Hey, sir, hey, sir! Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my gosh, I have some news. Yeah. I have finally, I have finally moved and out of Europe. Oh my God, this is now the <laughs> international. Can we, it doesn't make the same acronym, our... the ISP. I don't know, that's internet service I... provider. I don't know if that's, the... <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, well, at least we no longer will have the same abbreviation as the um, Edinburgh Skeptics. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, we, anyway, we, we, not, we, we will keep the acronym, actually. We will, we will not uh, be renaming. Yeah. We will not be renaming, but I will be now based in Seattle, Washington, America. Wow. USA! USA! <laughs> oh, yeah. Of all the places, you want to you move to that country? Is that really smart? Uh, yes. Well, the life... It's funny like this, and sometimes it, it yeah. and you end up in places that you'd never thought you will. So there we go. So I, I'm enjoying the uh, really, really sunny weather here, and um, it was a wonderful day yesterday. A gay pride parade, fifty thousand people I heard wow. attended, which wow. which is pretty incredible. That's good. Good news uh, in Seattle. Apparently, one of the more liberal places to live. Mm-hmm. All right. If you don't like Starbucks, don't come here. <laughs> well, it's literally everywhere. So one time I stood on a crossroads and I saw three Starbucks from where I, where I was standing. So right, but you don't have it's, to go into them if you don't want it's, to. Right, it's a home place. Yeah, then yeah. you don't have to. No, no, no. Okay. So, anyways, I'll try to keep my news still European centric. Yeah, yes, of course, of course. You're still will be our expert in reading Russian news, etc. Russian interference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Right. We should also mention, of course, the elephant in the room, or not in the room. The elephant, missing elephant, is, is Andras. <laughs> I, I thought, who are you calling elephant? Poor Andras. <laughs> no, no. But he unfortunately couldn't make it today. He is uh, guiding some tourists as normal. And uh, we, this will be hard now to coordinate the recording sessions with you on the other side of the globe. And Andras, never, we never know where he is, so... Well, we will try to keep it together. Ironically, though, I believe he is in my motherland. Yes. He's around Latvia, Lithuania. Looking for you. Doesn't realize that you've gone. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Oops. Yes. All right. Um, Anything you want to, Pontus, mention before we crack on with the show? No. On your side? No, I don't think so. I've been uh, been exterminating wasps today, but it's rather rather local news. And maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should leave them alone. But I I really don't like them. What have they done? Well, no, they were building a nest just by our, uh, what do you call that, where we sit outside. And, and oh, the porch. The porch, oh, the... yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were building a nest very close to there, and that was uh, uncomfortably close to, to us trying to drink our coffee and eating our breakfast and stuff. So we e- called uh, the exterminators. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that makes me a bad person, but I feel much better, so... <laughs> 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 okay, on the, on that positive note, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll start the show and we'll start our show with a segment this week in skepticism, which is done by me, moi myself. So, as I was preparing for today's show, I thought I will talk about 
an important historical vaccination that took place on the 6th of July in 1885. Mm. And it was a rabies vaccine that saved a boy who, who got bitten by uh, a rabbit dog several times. And back in 1880s, uh, if you were bitten by an animal with rabies, your prognosis was very much likely that you will die. Quite yeah, yeah, terrible ter- death, Terrible disease, yeah. So he has been vaccinated by someone we know very well. Uh, his name is Louis Pasteur. I, we have mentioned him on our show several times, actually, in various ways and reasons and uh, etc. Yeah, he's a prominent guy. He was a very prominent guy. He started off as a biologist, microbiologist, chemist. He kind of transferred into the sphere of medicine and vaccination gradually and discovered various vaccines. And um, one of them was the rabies vaccine. It's an interesting story. So the, the, the boy was fine. The vaccine was administered. Ah, so the, the thing about the rabies is uh, once you're bitten, it takes approximately a month for the virus to kind of reveal itself. So oh. you, you've got that time to make a move and try to eliminate it. So he's, he's been administered the vaccines, he survived, everything was fine. But what was controversial about this vaccine is the fact that when Louis Pasteur administered the vaccine, he was not a certified physician. That ah. was completely against the law, he what was... he was doing. Ah. And if the boy died, he would have been facing, I'm assuming, criminal charges. Yeah, sure. That's one thing. The other thing was that actually he has never, until that point, tried his vaccine on humans. He's been working on vaccination against rabies with rabbits and dogs, mostly, and uh, vaccinated uh, some 50 dogs in the past. In fact, the vaccination that he prepared for animals in the past was totally different to vaccination he, in, in the end, ended up administering to this boy. Wow, so he totally just improvised. Yeah, it was completely improvised. He took so many liberties wow. and guessed a lot of that. I mean, obviously it paid off. We now know that it's fine. And and, and actually the rabies vaccination transformed uh, over time. And whatever the vaccine is now is nothing like what Louis Pasteur created back then. So it no longer has the tissue of the dead rabbits who had rabies. It's produced by a totally different method. So... Some liberties were taken, some real big risks were taken, but they all paid off. For a few years after that, this vaccine was used to uh, administer people who, who, who were bitten or were otherwise under the uh, suspicion that they might have rabies. Yes, that's, that's an interesting one. One of the articles mentions that actually what Louis Pasteur claimed the vaccine to be wasn't what originally was recorded in his notebooks. So every um, researcher and scientist keeps lab notebooks, laboratory notebooks, of when they create... Um, yeah, the, the good ones or, at least pr- do that. Yeah, and so he kept all his. Actually, someone started writing a, a book about Louis Pasteur based solely on his laboratory notebooks. And that's when uh, they realized that a lot of the things that Louis Pasteur told in public were nothing to do with reality of what was going on behind the Uh-oh. scenes and the experiments he's done and the vaccinations he he's created, etc. Uh, so much so that one of his vaccinations, the anthrax vac- vaccination, he actually stole from somebody else. So um, it's, it's, it's revealed a lot of things. He was a very, by the looks and the sounds of it, bold, risk-taking, kind of, you know do whatever it takes to progress. Yeah, 
his agenda. Because at the end of the day, and I think it still stands now, his livelihood was depending on winning grants and getting funding for his work. And so if he got his name out there and he created these vaccinations and other things, then people were attracted to this and um, paid attention and provided him funding. In fact, after he created one of the vaccines, he got so much money and funding internationally that he was able to establish the Institute of Louis Pasteur in France based on those donations. So it was that's, an interesting... That's um, interesting. So if such a guy came around today, we wouldn't like him very much. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. And but but what I think we should take it with a pinch of salt and I think we still should I think often people idealize science. And I guess it's not a bad thing to to idealize out of all things that we idealize in our lives, but I think we should still remember that scientists are people, people make mistakes, people lie and pretend that facts are not what they are, etc. I don't think it still should diminish what scientists and science has accomplished, but we should always take it with a pinch of salt. And that was an interesting kind of... I want to take this as a positive lesson rather than say, well, you know, such a big name and look at what he's done, right? But the advances are still valid. You know, we still have certain things and vaccinations in place that we wouldn't have had maybe because of him or because of somebody else. And, and it's a tricky subject in terms of like who gets the glory and who gets mm, the praise. Yeah. But still, you know, sci- any scientist listening to this show, we still prefer double-blind studies and peer review and so- things like that. Don't do not do like Pasteur uh, uh, did. Well, abs- <laughs> yeah, don't, don't just put your finger... And, but I think the thing is, the thing was, then of course he was extraordinarily clever and well-educated man. Well, he kind of also, he must have known what he was talking mm. about, right? Those guesses were made based on his yeah. knowledge. It's not like he just he didn't have any clue about the science behind it. Anyways, so the boy lived and uh, we now have successful vaccinations for various things, partly thanks to him and partly thanks to someone else whose name hasn't made it. But, yeah. you know. All right. Anyways. Very interesting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Louis Pasteur. I, well, they say don't uh, create your heroes or something or don't put them on pedestal, but we should probably stop doing that. <laughs> And, and now on to the next thing, which is my favourite segment, Pontus Pokes the Pope. Yes, it's going to be not so much about Francis himself, more about the, the Vatican, I think, this time. It's difficult for the Vatican to pretend that just another country. Uh, we've mentioned before how Francis has started preparing for the Vatican to participate in the Olympics Part of that ambition led to him blessing the creation of a Vatican women's football team. And, and that's soccer for your for our American listeners, which I guess includes uh, <laughs> certain people on the show now. <laughs> but, of course, the Vatican is not just another country. It carries a lot of baggage too, which may get in the way when they try to pretend that they're just like anybody else. When the women's team were supposed to play its first real international match against an Austrian team in Vienna on 22nd of June, the opposing team lifted their shirts uh, during the playing of the Vatican National Anthem to reveal pro-abortion and pro-LGBT messages written on their stomachs and backs. This was before the match. Some banners on the same subject appeared on the on the stands. And this apparently took the... Vatican team fully by surprise and they chose they were just we don't know how to handle this so they just chose to walk out in the middle of the game before the game started actually oh sorry before the game started so they just like they just if this is the thing then we can't be here and they went home 
Yeah, so they're not a great threat to other Olympic countries or other sports countries if you can scare them off that easily. So I think uh, the other countries now knows how to uh, win on walkover every time. Yeah. Yeah. Take notes. All right. In other news, I have often pointed out the problem of the Catholic Church position on sex. And no, that's not the missionary one. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is a big synod coming up, a big meeting coming up in Rome in October. And one point on the agenda will be the question if the church will allow for married priests in quote-unquote remote areas. So you can't have it in Rome, of course, but maybe far away on the other side of the globe, this will be okay. This is areas where there's a shortage of unmarried men to be priests. It's a special pan-Amazon synod, so they're going to focus on South American issues but it also has sparked curiosity in Canada of all places where they apparently face the same kind of problems and then we have Kenya there is a breakout faction called the quote renewed universal catholic church unquote which follows everything that the catholic church does except that it allows priests to be married So it's an interesting trend, I think. I don't think, of course, that the Catholic Church will change their position on marriage anytime soon. But if they did, I believe it would also solve a large portion of the root of the sex abuse scandals. So I would welcome it. For sure. Mm. A lot of problems, of course, with the, the forced celibacy of people. It drives them nuts and makes them do crazy things. And also it attracts people who uh, probably shouldn't be leading anybody. No, for mm. sure. Sex is good, people. <laughs> Sex is good. Relax, enjoy it. But make sure everybody involved agrees and wants to do it, yeah? Absolutely. It's ironic, right? There's so many scandals, sex scandals in the uh, in Catholic Church. Okay, thanks, Pontus. We'll quickly go through some of the uh, news items we picked up this week uh, across Europe and a couple international bits. And we'll start with Pontus. <laughs> yep, there is a huge Canadian meta-study out looking at the effects of HPV vaccination across the world. And what do you know? The evidence clearly shows that it works, and it works very well. The researchers went through 1,700 potential published articles and selected 63 to be included in the meta-analysis. The conclusion was, and I quote from the abstract, This updated systematic review and meta-analysis includes data from 60 million individuals and up to 8 years of post-vaccination follow-up. Our results show compelling evidence of the substantial impact of HPV vaccination programs on HPV infections and CIN2+, that, that is uh, serious cell changes on the cervix, among girls and women, and on anogenital warts diagnosis among girls, women, boys and men. Additionally, programs with multi-cohort vaccination and high vaccination coverage had a greater direct impact and herd effects. End quote. That, that's a long quote and lots of fancy words. But basically they're saying, we looked at all these studies. It works. It works even better if you include others than just girls. You should also vaccinate boys because they can also transmit, of course, the virus. And if you have been vaccinated, you are much better off. 
and um, it confirms what we already knew but it's always good to have it verified vaccination works good 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 it's always good to hear that these things work people I have another good news. Well, I think potentially good news. No, it, it is good news, for sure. This is an effort from our friends at Good Thinking Society, who filed judicial review over the um, Professional Standard Authority uh, decision to grant reaccreditation to Society of Homeopaths. Yeah. This is in UK, right? This is in UK, that's right, yes. The, the Professional Standard Authority, the PSA for short, gives out the accreditation to sev- various bodies across the um, UK. And you can actually go on their website and search for accredited practitioners, medical practitioners, etc. So by giving the uh, this accreditation to Society of Homeopaths, they're essentially validating their practices, of which one is especially bad, and it's called CEASE therapy. Yeah. It's a treatment that targets uh, autistic kids. And they claim that autism can be cured with uh, homeopathic remedies, vitamin C, and dietary changes, which is an absolute and utter nonsense. It's a neurological condition that's nothing to do with what you eat. It's the way you're born. It's the way your brains are wired, etc. To be fair, we don't know exactly what causes autism. So, and that goes for them too. So if they say that they have a cure for it or something that helps, then they bloody have to prove it before they start administering it. Yeah. The uh, cease therapy has no validity. There, is n- there was never uh, a double-blind study that was peer-reviewed, but there is no surprise there. Basically, uh, what Good Thinking Society is arguing is that if PSA has given accreditation to to the um, Society of Homeopaths, they they essentially endorsing the, these kind of practices. So, Good Thinking Society uh, have uh, started a campaign to help them pay for the solicitors to get the process um, in motion. Judicial review can cost quite a few pennies, I can imagine. Yeah. They're currently raising £36,000, which is probably about $45,000 and about €40,000, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. That's still modest, I think. I, I would expect any mm. lawsuit or whatever this is would cost a lot yeah. more. So, hundreds of thousands. We did share yeah. this on our... Uh, Facebook page as well. So we do encourage everybody to to go in and and donate if you can. Uh, Please do. They're raising it on crowdjustice.com website. And I think it's a time-sensitive target. So they they were hoping to raise this money in in the next month. So please, if you can, go to that website and donate. We will link to the uh, website in in our show notes as well. And as Pontus mentioned, we've posted it on Facebook for those who want to head there and get the information directly. And hopefully this will be overruled. So if the process is successful, the PSA will have to reverse uh, their decision. And um, that would basically mean that um, the Society of Homeopaths will not be re-accredited. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that will happen. Yeah. Again, we're seeing the Good Thinking Society doing fantastic work. Uh, I wish they were present in every country. (laughs) They need um, offices and branches everywhere, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I've talked to Marsh about that, but he said, well, maybe later on. We were struggling as it is, but... That's true. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I have more good news actually here. The day we've all been waiting for. Just as expected, the French health authority, uh, HAS, or, and wait for it, this is French now coming from me, so please be patient. It's 
la haute autorité de santé. Sounds good to me, I think. That's pretty good, I think. Well, thank you very much. Uh, anyway, they came out last Friday, as was expected, with their recommendation to stop public funding of homeopathy in France. Woohoo! Excellent. So, now it's up to the French Minister of Health, Agnes Buzin, to take the formal decision. And she has in the past stated that she will follow what the HAS will recommend. Boiron which is one of the leading providers of homeopathy in the world, depends on France for 60% of its revenue, and it has seen its share price fall by 22% this year because of this uh, development. And the company, who has 3,600 employees, produces all of its products in France, and Boiron has, as we have reported on before, desperately fought this outcome but now it should only be a formality for the funding to cease. So this is good news. And of course, it will still be legal to sell homeopathy over the counter in France anyway, but at least it won't be funded by the by the government. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So um, I just want to quickly mention a study of microbiomes, importance in autism. So uh, there was a study done recently who claims that the fecal pr- transplants from kids who had autism into mice triggered autism in mice. So they f- they essentially arguing that the there is a microbe or something in the fecal matter that triggers the autism when transplanted into another live in this instance animal. Mm. So the reason why I want to mention that study is because it has been criticized from the day one since it's been published by uh, various prominent scientists um, and doctors. There is a lot of problems with this study. The uh, analysis, um, statistical analysis doesn't seem to stack up. The uh, size is very tiny. They're using five kids only. Five kids. Five kids and eight mice, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I hope they kept them in separate cages when they did the study. <laughs> yeah. Um, there seemed to have been sort of some either manipulation or misunderstanding of the way to use the actual statistical analysis software. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, <laughs> as I was reading through it, I was like, oh, gosh, these guys are really wanting this result to work for them. <laughs> they really want to prove the point. Yeah. In huh. the end... Uh, they did state, we are going to do everything possible to make sure that we arrive at a conclusion that we can defend. Well, that kind of sounds like they're going to do anything to make sure that they kind of <laughs> get the uh, results that they want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rather, in a way, yeah, yeah. Rather than the results that actually is the reality. And so the uh, the one, of course, the result of the criticism of the study wa- was also the fact that you can't replicate it. And if you take into consideration various statistical flaws, then the study all of a sudden then becomes not that impressive. And it doesn't give you the results that you want. So possibly manipulation, but you know, I'm just speculating. Of yeah, course. yeah, it's very hard to reach any conclusion with such a small study group. Very hard, and it's such a hot topic. I understand why people would do that. Yeah. They want to get their names out there, and they want to grab a very sort of you know shouty headline in a newspaper somewhere. Um, yeah. but and there's so many myths about autism because we don't really know where it comes from. And that means also we don't know how to cure it. So there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of pseudoscience about it. And of course, we would want to find the real science behind it. And also, since people who have autistic children are 
understandably very, very desperate. They will cling to any kind of hope that is presented. But that means we have to be even more careful before we come to the conclusion of what it comes from and how to treat it. And uh, yeah, there's no question that a lot of our gut bacteria is very important for us. And if you get the, the mixture, if you will, wrong in your gut, you will have all kinds of problems. We're not sure if autism is one of them yet. We had, actually, I can tell a little anecdote. We had we gave the, I almost said the really wrong award, but our, the Swedish skeptics gave their shame award a couple of years ago to a TV show that said that you can cure everything from autism to diabetes with fecal transplant. And that was so premature and it's pandering to people who are very desperate. We were just saying, no, don't say that on television because desperate parents at home will try to feed their poor children poop, basically, in in, in a desperate attempt to cure them. So don't say that before we have proved that that's actually true. And we still don't know. Hmm. All right. Totally different topic. There's no segue possible here. Iceland has a long tradition of being very conservative in some aspects, like when it comes to language, for instance. When a new phenomena comes up, like electric cars or smartphones, you're not allowed to use foreign loan words in, in Iceland. The Language Institute of Iceland comes up with a new local word to describe the new phenomena. So computer, for instance, are called, <laughs> I think it's pronounced tölva, and not computer, as in some other Nordic languages. You can't do that. You can't just take a foreign language word and put your own pronunciation on it. You have to come up with something new. Also, what they've done in Iceland always is that the names of persons have been very restricted so that certain given names can only be given to girls or to boys. Also, family name has had to be your mother's or father's given name, plus dotir if you're the daughter, or son, if you're the son. Obviously, with greater awareness of persons who identify as non-binary, this has been an issue, and quite unnecessarily. I mean, what business do the authorities really have to interfere with what you want to call yourself? So, very happily, this has now changed. There is a new law in Iceland from now on, changing all this, and you're allowed to take any given name you feel comfortable with. And if you don't feel like a dotir or a son, or you just don't want that classification to be built into your name, there is now a new suffix that you are allowed to choose. It's burr. B-U-R, which just means child. So my daughter, if I was Icelandic, would have to be previously named Pontusdottir, uh, and my son would have to be Pontuson, but now uh, they can be Pontusbur if they want to. So go Iceland, good new law, and um, I think it's a good way of uh, you know adapting. Even if you want to be traditional, you want to guard the language, you want to keep things like they are, you can still be progressive and adapt when when uh, when things are changing. So good on Iceland. Okay, excellent. Pontusbur, I like that. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> All right. I think we have one more. We have one more. Yes, 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 yes. And that's actually the first one. That is not. That is this bad news? 
I was shocked to learn the other day that according to a ruling by the Supreme Court in Sweden from 1990, which is still in effect, a man who beats an unfaithful woman, everything else being equal, should have a lighter punishment. Because this should be seen as a provocation on the woman's part. What the fuck? We can say fuck. Yes, we can. Of course we can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been aware for some time that the legal system in Sweden when it comes to men who beats up women is it's not the best. But th- this is just bananas. There was also an interview just last week with one of the now-retired judges who was part in taking this decision on the Supreme Court almost 30 years ago. And he still stands by the decision. And I quote, Part of the blame lies with her, he said in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? How old-fashioned stupid is that? So now, of course, women's shelters in Sweden are reacting to this. And I hope that this will be the beginning of a change to this ruling because this is just outrageous. That That's just medieval. Yeah. Well, luckily, it's not stoning to death. Well, I think yeah. that's that's the, that's still the practice in some <laughs> countries. Right, right. But just because it's worse, even worse somewhere else doesn't mean <laughs> we can't be better. Yeah. All right. Okay, excellent. Uh, well, this this is all the news we selected for you this week, mm-hmm. and uh, we are on to the next thing. Crop circles are so intricate and complex, it is not possible for humans to make them. You're not really getting the complete holistic birth experience unless you eat your placenta. I mean, animals do it, and Mother Nature always knows best. Of course the world is haunted by ghosts and demons. It explains so much, so easily, that I barely have to do any thinking. I've watched a whole lot of Flat Earth videos on YouTube. You know, they convinced me. It's all a conspiracy. There's no way we live on a spinning ball. We all have friends and family who believe these things, and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. Join the Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia team, and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal, and alt-med claims, substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but, as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please join us. All you need is a PC and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by purpleplanet.com. Is it really wrong today? This is a really wrong. Yes. Okay. Really wrong. I've I've noticed the name of the person who you're going to be talking about, and and I thought, well, that was a stupid question, I guess. <laughs> Monarchy is really an idiotic form of government. Some people just happen to be born to the quote unquote right parents, and suddenly they're regarded as being fit to run or represent the country, no matter how unsuitable or misinformed or even how stupid they may be. 
nowadays, at least in Europe, the royalty is supposed to keep a very low profile, just smile and wave and put on an extremely lavish wedding now and again for our entertainment. They are supposed to keep their nose out of politics. Only some of them never will. And Prince Charles is such a person. He has been told off again and again, but still never hesitates to lobby for and interfere with his pet interests, be it architecture or animal care, or as is the case this time, healthcare. The royalty in the UK has always had a thing for homeopathy, and Prince Charles has always been the worst one. A week ago, it became public that he has been chosen to be a patron of something called the Faculty of Homeopathy an organization in the UK that supports medical professionals who carries out homeopathic practices. The Faculty of Homeopathy, of course, is over the moon about this and called his patronage an enormous honor. However, the skeptic movement, including ourselves, are less impressed. Professor Edzard Ernst, who we follow very closely at this show, has famously called Prince Charles a snake oil salesman. And our friend Michael Marshall, Marsh of the Good Thinking Society, there we are again, good thinking, doing a good job, he said this about this patronage, quote, It is obscene to think that the UK's next head of state believes that it's an appropriate issue to use his considerable public profile to promote this, end quote. The the problem with monarchy is that even if you set up rules for how they're supposed to behave, there's not really a good way to stop them from doing pretty much whatever they want to. Because what are you going to do? Take away their title? Remove him or them from the line of succession? I mean, this is tempting, of course, but it wouldn't <laughs> fundamentally change the Here's problem. The thought. Yeah, but but, you know, because who knows what the next knobhead will do? And we've seen this in other countries, too. Princess Marta Louise of Norway has founded a school called the Angel School, and it's just as bad as it sounds, and currently she's romantically involved with a self-proclaimed shaman who calls himself Durek instead of Derek, that was his given name, stupid, and now they together (laughs) promote all kinds of nonsense. Uh, anyway, why would Prince Charles have the slightest idea of what kind of health care is best? He's not a doctor. He has no credential except that he r- happened to be born into the so-called right family. Still, lots of people will take his endorsement as a validation that empty sugar pills can cure you. Stupid. Yeah, it's not the first time, of course. He- he's been promoting uh, homeopathy f- for animals. And for and homeopathy in general, several times before. Anyway, for being self-absorbed and too full of himself, and for not knowing that his place is just to wave and smile, and not to butt into health policy issues, Prince Charles gets today's prize for being really wrong. When is he going to stop doing that? Anyway, uh, also, yeah, in Russian, durak means fool, so it's almost like. <laughs> That's good. I didn't know that, but yeah. and probably neither does Derek. Alrighty. Do we get a quote today? We do get a quote. And the quote today is from Lisa Meitner, who was an Austrian-Swedish physicist who worked on radioactivity and nuclear physics. 
She said, science makes people reach selflessly for truth and objectivity. It teaches people to accept reality with wonder and admiration, not to mention the deep awe and joy that the natural order of things brings to the true scientists. Amen. Yeah, and they said science is not poetic and you can really you can really give yourself to science and f- see the wonder of the world by by doing science. I think that's good. That's it. <laughs> that's it for, for today. today. Yes, that's it for today. And uh, thank you very much uh, our dear listeners for joining us and thanks Pontus as well. Thank you. And we will be back next week. All right. Bye everybody. Пока пока. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Is it the right way to say? Yeah, I think a rabid dog, but it sounded almost like you said rabbit dog. And that's that's an animal I don't know. Do we have a cat in the closet there or or outside the closet closet. or inside the closet? Let me just throw him out. <laughs> you know, two doors are closed and you can still hear him. Yeah, it's a loud cat. It's like a- Nothing homeopathic about him. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's definitely the end. The end. <laughs>